Yeah, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about judging prophecy, which is kind of like the end part of what you would do um, when someone comes out with a prophetic word or with some sort of teaching that has to do with bringing out the word of God. So judging is not giving, it's not receiving, it's actually discerning what was said and the spirit behind it. So let me say first off a little bit about what prophetic ministry is. Um, let me ask you this before I get started. Anybody, has anybody been in a church service where they've heard a prophetic word given out in the congregation? Just wave at me if you've heard that. Okay, yeah, so, so we're from, some of us are familiar with it. Um, at Grace and Peace, we do uh, allow prophetic ministry. So we'll talk a little bit about what that is first, and then we'll go into the, the judging part of it. Um, we know that we're in the New Testament, that age of grace. We're no longer under the Old Testament mandates for prophecy. Because in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit did not infill believers or infill those people who believed in Jehovah. Holy Spirit came and rested upon those prophets when they spoke a word, when they gave a word, when they did a miracle. They were, um, the Holy Spirit actually settled on them. The anointing settled on them. Instead of, whereas today in the New Testament, we are filled with the Spirit, as well as the Holy Spirit can rest on us, and that anointing can also rest on us. So it's a little bit of a different mandate uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we really need to be careful that we discern what's going on, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. Just like with anything that you do in the Spirit, there's a learning curve. Prophetic ministry has a very large learning curve because not only do we have to know that we're hearing from God, we need to know that what we want to say has to be said to this person or this congregation at this time. So there's a whole lot of different parameters that we need to go through. True, for, true prophetic ministry is ministry that, has, that I've learned is something where the prophetic word actually pulls out the destiny of someone or we, we could actually say the gold in someone pulls out that, that which God has put in them from the beginning that they might not even know is there. It's easy for us, especially in today's day and age, to know or to be able to see what's bad. We can call out sins of people in our family. We can call out faults. We can call out all of those things. That's easy. Anybody can see that. But to be able to see past those things and call out the gold or the blessing that God has put in someone or those gifts that God has put in someone that are not being manifested at the time is a little bit of a different thing to do. And only really God can do that because only God knows what's in someone if they're not manifesting those things right at the moment. So we know that if we're calling out gold, we're doing several things. One of those things is encouraging. And we're gonna, we'll go into that too. So prophetic ministry can be encouraging, it can be edifying, and it can be exhorting, meaning almost like a challenge. I wanna exhort you to do better. I want to encourage you or challenge you to do better. So it not only will call out gold, 
it'll push people, or not, I don't want to say push, but spur people onward toward those things that God has for them. So Romans 12, 6 says that we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. If it's prophecy, then we should prophesy according to our faith. According to Paul, there were certain gifts. Um, one of those was known as the gift of prophecy, and those who had it moved according to their measure of faith. Everyone gets a certain measure of faith. We can, we can help that faith grow. We can ask Holy Spirit to grow it for us. Sometimes we're given a gift of faith for a momentary thing or over the long period or, or, or over our lives. Um, but prophecy itself or those things that are prophesied should come from the faith that the person has who's speaking. Or I should say it should be bolstered by. It comes from Holy Spirit. Prophecy itself can be considered to be speaking for God himself, speaking forth a message that God wants spoken at the time. We can look back in, uh, at the prophets in the Bible, and we can see that they went and they spoke to a people, and they told those people what God was going to do if they didn't do thus and such, or if they didn't repent, or if they were out doing what they shouldn't have been doing, or if as a nation they didn't come under the yielding or the subjection of God himself. God spoke through those prophets to tell all those things. So, he or she that gives a word, gives it by means of what we would call revelation. And that comes through many different ways. People who prophesy today can hear something in their mind. They can hear words in their mind. They can see a picture in their mind. They can see something out above other people, what we would call an open vision, where they actually see a little, uh, like a little screen over somebody or out in front of them while they're conscious of it, that it's, wow, this is just opened in front of me. I see something different. And now they can tell people what they've seen and what they think that means. You can also hear the audible voice of God to speak what he wants you to speak. Um, but everybody has their own set ways of how you're going to hear or receive those things that God wants you to say. No way is wrong if that's holy, how Holy Spirit speaks to you. No way is only right. Everybody has a different personality, senses things, hears things, feels things differently than anybody else. Prophecy itself can speak about the future. You can, as, as a prophetic word, it can come and it could tell you something about what's going to happen in your life later on. Or it could foretell those things, meaning as the person speaks, that thing is actually put into uh, uh, motion or, or created right there as the word of God comes from somebody else's mouth and speaks into your life or into the life of a church. That would be foretelling. It's almost like when God said, light be, and the light happened, the light came. He foretold, he spoke that into being. We, of course, are not God, but if a true prophetic word comes about, that person is speaking for God as a messenger to whomever or whatever group of people and actually speaks into being those things that be not as though they were, okay? So it's not just speaking about the, the future or predicting the future. Like some people think it's just, well, it's just a prediction. No, 
it's, it's actually God's word, and sometimes that word actually creates what needs to happen. In the New Testament, the operation of the gifts are through the Holy Spirit in the church today, and we should encourage every move of Holy Spirit in our midst. We are, um, are digging in as a church, and we're, we're pressing into God, digging into the Spirit so that we can allow Holy Spirit to move freely. And when Holy Spirit moves freely, there tends to be that prophetic unction amongst the people in the congregation. You feel God. You hear God. You sense God. The, all of those things, when they're spoken, can have that edge of prophecy. Not to say that it always is, but it, it could have that, that edge to it. And especially when we start moving more in the spirit at grace and peace, and we start developing that prophetic culture when everybody starts to prophesy, because that's what Paul said in the New Testament, I, I wish that all of you would prophesy. Why? Because it's encouraging. It's edifying. It builds up the church. It calls people to a higher level in God. So every person filled with the Spirit of God has the ability to prophesy. That doesn't mean you have to come up and stand with a microphone like we do on a Sunday morning. That could mean you speak to somebody uh, at your job or even in, at your home or in your home group, and you tell them, you know what, I think God has put this gift in you. You're a great administrator. You're organized. You've done this. You've done that. Have you ever thought of doing something along those lines? That's a prophetic edification, a prophetic encouragement, because we are spirit. And we're hoping to be in the Spirit and led by the Spirit as often as possible. We talked about being um, intimate with the Spirit of God on Sunday, that it's something that's 24-7. It's not something we do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or once or twice a week. It's something we should be doing all the time, listening for God and then speaking what we think He wants to say. So... Um, we should encourage those things, but we also should realize that we're warned in the New Testament that there are true gifts and there are false gifts. When God's on the move and God's doing things, the enemy is right there behind him doing, trying to do the same thing, but it's not coming from the Spirit of God. It's coming from, from a demonic spirit or from a familiar spirit, meaning something that is not from God. We want to be able to discern that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Oh, wait, I've got this in my pocket. Okay, I wanted to give this away. Anybody want this? Oh, I got a man over here. All right, so I'm going to give you, can you, everybody see what this is? Yeah? Okay, so Rob, I'm going to come up here. I want you to come up here. I want you to take this. I want you to take it back to your seat, look at it really well. Okay. Don't say anything until I ask you. Anybody else want one? I got one more. What's that? I did. I went before I came home. I did. I went to the bank today. Anybody else? Put your hand up. Yeah, come on, Karen. All right. Same thing. I'm going to say take this back to your seat. Look at it really well. Really good? Really well. I'm a science teacher, not language arts. Um, okay. All right, so Matthew 24, 24 in the New uh, 
International Version says, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Who's the elect? We're the elect. We are those that Matthew, in Matthew were being warned about false teachers and false prophets. So let's go back to our giveaways. So those of you who came to get one, what did you see when I held this up? Rob, what'd you see? Karen? What'd you see? I'm sorry, money? Okay, yeah, all right. And then when I gave it to you, what did you notice immediately? What's that? Benjamin Franklin. Rob? It's a fraud. What made you know that it was a fraud right away? Motion pictures purposes only on here, okay? What I noticed when I first, I give these out to my kids at school for like, they have to be responsible and keep it to the end of the year. So middle schoolers have a hard time finding things in their desk. So they always get a prize at the end of the year if they can give me this money back or show it to me, they get to keep it. But what I noticed when I first took this out of the little package was what it felt like. It doesn't feel like real money. It feels like a piece of paper. Like I wouldn't know it was a $100 bill if I was just not looking at it. Looking at it, you could tell from there, Pastor James? Yeah, as soon as you pulled it out, I was like, that's fake money. That's fake money. And you can hear it too. It doesn't, it sounds like almost tinny, right? Real money has a deeper sound. Um, but for motion picture purposes, this works really well for prop money, okay? So what's the point of all this? The point is that sometimes we see something that looks real, but it isn't. We might see, hear something and think it's real, but it's not. We need to make sure we can tell, sometimes close up, but not always. Sometimes we can't be as close as we want to. We have to be able to discern. So if we were to take this and just show this to somebody, we might be able to deceive them. Our eyes can be deceived, our ears can be deceived, and I think, this is coming to mind, Pastor Al, somewhere in Jeremiah. Um, our hearts are desperately wicked. We, our hearts are, there's deception in our hearts because we, we have sin or we had sin in our hearts and we are human beings. So it would be human nature if we were not redeemed, we could deceive people on purpose, sometimes unintentionally. So just like the counterfeit bill, the enemy of our souls wants to deceive us with his counterfeits. And mark my words, the enemy, the devil, has a counterfeit of every single thing that God does. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a gift. I don't care if it's a good talent that you have. Um, he can even use the good things that we do deceptively. So encouragement can become flattery with the wrong motives. 
Okay. Ambition or those like, I want to get better at this, can become that selfish ambition with the wrong motives. So we need to be mindful of what God is doing, what the enemy is doing, and also what's in our own hearts. Just like you wouldn't take this and go and try and use it, you'd throw it out, right? If you got this, say, in a, in a store, somebody gave you a $20 bill and you realize, oh, this is not real. I'm either going to bring it to the bank or I'm going to throw it out. Things that are counterfeit from the enemy needs to be, need to be tossed as well. I like to use the phrase, I will eat the meat and spit out the bones. If I hear something I'm not quite sure, let me think about it, let me chew on it a little bit. I'm going to keep what's good and get rid of what's not. So we as believers can discern prophetic words. We don't need to be left in the dark. We don't need to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit or afraid of being deceived because our God is greater than the enemy and anything that he would do. And as long as we're hooked into him and intimate with the Holy Spirit, then we will have that discernment even though we don't realize it. You'll just know this is not right. I don't like this. There's something off. Okay, some people call it a red flag. Some people just think it's, oh, this is just a little off-center. So remember that it's not, not everything about something has to be bad for it to be the enemy. There can just be a little bit of a deviation from what God has said or done or wants done. And we can be in a place where we don't even realize God is there with us, or we can be in a place and not know that God is moving and God's moving all around us. Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, my yoke is wholesome, my burden is light, and it's easy to be born, meaning it's easy to take on. It's not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing. It's one of my favorite things that Jesus says because it's what he wants us to do as led by the Spirit, it's not harsh, it's not hard, it's not sharp, and it's not pressing, that drive, you know, like somebody driving a team with a, a team of horses with a whip. That's not there. It's not pressing. Some people say Holy Spirit is a gentleman to sound, make it sound like he's gentle. So going back to our, our prophetic words, people giving words should be close to the Lord. We would hope that they're mature in their calling and their walk, and that they have good character and fruit. Pastor Ralph talked about fruit a couple of Sundays ago. So we're looking for the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, and we're looking for good fruit or good deeds, good character, good things that they're doing in their life. They're not leaving um, broken bodies behind them or people hurt feelings all over the place and moving on without, without a care for anybody else. They would have solid character and ev it's evident in their lives. Sometimes those new to the gift of prophecy need to learn and they need to practice. Like I said, it has a big learning curve. I think one of the biggest learning curves of, of many of the gifts because our words, we know from teach, the teaching that's here, our words are life or death. They speak those things out into the atmosphere and over other people. We need to be mindful when somebody is giving a prophecy or hearing a prophecy that the words that are spoken out 
are not harmful because little foxes can spoil their vine, meaning little things can spoil their walk, especially if they're new in the spirit. Um, That learning that I mentioned should never happen, excuse me, in in the masses, in, in, in mass, I should say, in the congregation. Because here, we're coming, say, on a Sunday morning, and we're coming to learn. We're coming to minister to the Lord in worship. We're coming to minister to each other in fellowship. Words that are spoken here should be judged, and anything that's harmful should be put to the side, and maybe that person talk to later. We'll talk more about that too. When we're practicing, if you're learning, if I, oh, you're just you're newly saved and you realize, oh, I, I think I might have some sort of prophetic gifting, small groups are good for practice because it's a small, intimate setting and you're getting to know one another and you can ask questions and it not feel uncomfortable. So that's a really good place to practice. Or in, cl- in classes, we have prophetic classes throughout the year. We practice in those things. We also have the Kairos nights that'll start up again in, in January. Those are, that's a good place also to be able to practice and ask questions and learn. So the word says that we hear a word by the Spirit of God because Holy Spirit's there to help us and train us. Jesus said in John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So the Bible actually gives us steps to judge prophecy. So let's, let's think about this picture. Imagine you're in church one morning and somebody gives a prophetic word, like it happens regularly here on a Sunday. What do you do with it? When you first hear it, do you say, oh, that was nice. That sounds great. Yeah. have no idea what they're talking about, but that sounded good. Everybody clapped afterward. Or if it's something you did understand what they were talking about, do you just swallow it hook, line, and sinker? So there's things that we can do, questions that we can ask ourselves when somebody gives a prophetic word that will help us judge or discern the word. Mind you, we're not judging the person, we are judging the word. So we need to determine if the word that was spoken is from God, is from our spirit, or is from a demonic spirit or Satan himself, right? Not as easy as it sounds. Jesus, again, he uh, warned us against those false prophets. He said, beware of them in some versions. Beware, not just look out for them, and that you'll know them by their fruits. So what's the point? Fruit is a product of of a life, it has to do with your character, your behavior, your words, things you do, your, the, your pastimes. It has to do with all of those things and how you handle other people, how you treat other people. In our lives, every word and every action is from our heart, right? The Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in our heart is going to come out of our mouth eventually. Sinners sin because that's what's in their hearts. Thieves steal because sin is in their hearts. 
people kill each other because evil is in their hearts. So we need to know the fruit that's produced because Jesus said that a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. So in the days ahead, as we go further, I actually believe that Holy Spirit's going to pour out a, a, a great blessing on the people of God. I think that this time period is going to be key for Holy Spirit's move if we're ready, if we're willing and we're surrendered. And when that happens, Jesus is on the move. Jesus, when Jesus is on the move, prophetic things are going to happen. People are going to prophesy that have never prophesied before. People are going to speak in tongues and interpret those tongues. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff that maybe we haven't seen before or heard before because Holy Spirit is moving. Remember the day of Pentecost when the rushing mighty wind came through, or sound of the rushing mighty wind came through. It was chaos. It was chaos in the streets. They heard all kinds of languages everywhere. People were confused. They didn't know what was going on. They thought the uh, disciples were drunk. They were mocking them. There was all kinds of stuff going on. But that was like the first revival. That was the first true outpouring of the Spirit. And it was confusing. We We need to be mindful of that so that when that happens, we're saying, okay, Now I need to settle myself. I need to see where Holy Spirit is, if he's even in this. I need to quiet myself on the inside, listen to the Spirit of God. Okay, so Matthew 7.15 says, Watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Sorry. Jesus again warns us in Matthew 7 that we need to look at fruit. Paul and Peter write to the early church and they warn them also about false prophets, false prophecies, false apostles, and false teachers. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, Since Christ's truth is in me, I won't stop telling the entire area of Greece that I'm proud of what I did. Why? Is it because I don't love you? God knows that I do, but I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I want to contradict the claims of the people who want to be treated like they are the same as us because of what they brag about. Such people are false apostles and dishonest workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise then that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So these are false workers that Paul is warning the Corinthian church church about, and they're boastful. They're bragging about whatever they're doing. So when someone is touting their gift, oh, I'm a prophet, I'm a a worker of miracles, I'm a healer, that's boasting. We need to be aware of somebody's spirit that's coming out and not Holy Spirit. Proverbs 18, 16 says that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. 
and in the Christian Standard Bible, 1816 says, a person's gifts opens doors for him and brings him before the great. So what brings people before great men? Their gift, their gifting. That's what Paul is, or that's what they're talking about here in Proverbs. Not I'm bringing you a gift, although it could be, but we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So my giftings, if I'm bragging to you about it, that is not Holy Spirit. It's that person's room that makes room, uh, their person's gift that makes room for them and opens doors. It's not what they say about themselves that makes room for them. That's self-promotion. So English Standard Version 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one after the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So then how do we regard each other? How do we address each other? How do we see each other? So we just read in Corinthians that we're to not regard each other after the flesh. So how do we regard each other? After the Spirit. If we are filled with the Spirit, our spirit needs to discern each other's spirit. And you guys all know this. Even if you don't think you're discerning, even if you don't think you have a prophetic gifting, you walk into a room and your friend is angry. They don't say anything to you. You don't say anything to them. You're kind of doing your thing. Maybe you're at work. Maybe it's a coworker, and they're angry. You can feel it in the room. You can feel the tension. That's a spiritual thing. Nobody has said anything. Nobody's done anything, but you know they're angry. There's tension. How many times have you heard somebody said, oh, you could cut the tension with a knife in that room. Don't go in there. Okay. What are we cutting? It's air. No, there's a spiritual thing going on there. You're feeling that. You're discerning something going on. And it could even be a a wonderful thing. You can tell when somebody's really happy, but they haven't said anything. And they're just bursting with joy, but they haven't yet said anything. You can tell those things because you, you feel it on the inside. There's something inside of us that knows each other spirit to spirit. We are first spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body, which means that if we are first spirit, we should know each other after the spirit more so than after the flesh. So we can discern ourselves, we can discern other people, and we would hope that somebody who's giving a word in church has a good spirit about them, and Holy Spirit is speaking through them. The only way to become more discerning, if you don't feel like you are already, is to ask. Paul told us to pursue spiritual gifts. Discernment is a spiritual gift. So we can pursue that. And it's a particular strength that we need to develop in this day and age, in the end times, because the enemy is going to dress himself like an angel of light more than we care to admit, and we are going to be deceived if we're not watching, if we're not ready for what's going on. And I'm not saying that to scare anybody. What I'm doing is just saying, Pay attention, be alert, be sober-minded, get in the Word, know what's real, because that's the truth, right? When we look at counterfeit bills, 
the people who study them, the federal agents that study them, they don't, they don't study counterfeit bills, they study real money, all kinds of real money from all different time periods because our money's changed over the past 20 years, right? It looks different. They don't study the counterfeit, they study the real. So we need to study the real, we need to study the truth. And how do we do that? We get in the word, we get it in our hearts, we spend time in prayer with Jesus, we get to know Holy Spirit like we've never known him before. How many of you come with a family member today, tonight? A few, okay? So if you're married or you have children even, if you are a block away from that person, whether it's your spouse or your child, and they're dressed in certain clothing, maybe a, maybe a sweatshirt and blue jeans, you can tell it's them before you even see their face. Yes? Why? Because we know them. We live with them. We know their walk, we know the gait, we know their mannerisms, we know how they push the hair away from their face. Even on the telephone, we don't use telephones as much anymore. But when somebody calls me, I know exactly who it is just by the sound of their voice. They don't have, Don doesn't have to tell me, oh, hi, Diane, it's Don. I know it's him, just by him saying hello. Because I know him, I know his voice. I don't just know about him. That's how we have to be with Holy Spirit. That's how we have to be with Jesus. We need to be able to discern or know him from his mannerisms, from his words, from his voice. We need to be able to discern that. And we do that by spending time in prayer, in worship, and in the word. To Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God breathed, I'm sorry, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's a translation called the Phillips translation, and it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Do I have that one, guys? I do. Don't have more than two or three preachers either, while others think over what has been said, but should a message of truth come, I'm sorry, should a message of truth come to one who is seated, then the original speaker should stop talking. For in this way, you can all have opportunity to give a message, one after the other, and everyone will learn something, and everyone will have his faith stimulated. The spirit of a true preacher is under that preacher's control, for God is not a God of disorder, but of harmony, as is plain in all the churches. So those two verses, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. That's going to give us our training for righteousness and equip us for everything that we need to do. And what we need to do is what I just read from Phillips, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. It sounds a little different. I don't typically read Phillips' translation, but I like the way it's, things were said in there. 1 Corinthians 14.29 in the Amplified which is usually wordier than other translations, but in this case it's not. It says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. In Philip's translation, it says, let someone come forth, and he calls them preachers in that version, so that everyone will learn something. 
The spirit of a true preacher, or we could say prophet, is under that prophet's control. For God is not a God of disorder, but of harmony. So we learned a couple of things from this. We can have two or three people speak. Sometimes we have more, depending on what's going on, and I'll explain that in just a second, on a Sunday morning, so that everyone can learn. And that the spirit of a true prophet is under the prophet's control, for God is a God of order. So when I said um, sometimes we have more, we had one Sunday, Pastor James, we had like five or six people give words. On a Sunday, typically somebody who has a prophetic word or what they feel is a word from God, they will come over um, to where I sit on this side um, and tell me what they think they're hearing or what they believe they're hearing. And for me, I try and I've learned recently to worship with my eyes open. And when I see somebody coming, I ask the Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit, give me witness or not. Help me to discern this word, because I know somebody's coming to tell me something. So when they tell me, a couple of things going on in my head. But God will either say yes or no. Sometimes I get it before I come to service, God will say, nobody's going to talk today, or I don't want anybody to speak today. And it depends on what's going on. Sometimes usually um, there's an awesome worship set, and God just wants to minister to people and, have, and be ministered to. But then sometimes I don't get anything when they say something. And then I have to ask a question, which we're going to talk about some of those questions. But in the New Testament, we said that things are a little different. The Holy Spirit fills us. So in us, we have Holy Spirit and we have our spirit. I'm filled with Holy Spirit, so there's no demonic spirits in me. Not staying there. So I'm believing that I have Holy Spirit in me and I have my spirit in me. I am still a fallible human being. And I can have three people come up and say, I have this word, and I let them speak. And then a fourth person comes up, and I'm like, oh, I missed it. This was what should have been said. Maybe not one of those others. Maybe I missed it. So ergo, we've got four, maybe five other people. I don't ever try and second guess what Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe somebody hesitated. They didn't come up right away when they felt Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it took them, you know, somebody else got in front of them, or whatever the case may be. I can miss it, just like anybody else who comes up here to give a word can miss it. We're still human beings, and we're, we're trying to follow the Spirit as best we can. So sometimes more than two or three people come and give a word. We're not going to get stoned for it. We're going to be okay. Um, but we want to make sure that everybody not only hears what we believe the Spirit is saying, but learns from it as well. The Bible clearly tells us in the New Testament that prophecy is to be subjected to scriptural judgment. In fact, I can tell you that it's unscriptural if we don't judge the prophetic word. We are commanded to judge them. And again, we're not judging a person, we are judging the word. Paul tells us in Corinthians that prophets should operate not as individuals on their own, but as part of a corporate body. 
There should not be rogue people. They should be hopefully, to the best of our ability, membered to the church that they're prophesying in. Although we do have special speakers sometimes that come and give prophetic words with permission by the pastoral team. But we want to be in fellowship with the people that are prophesying in our congregation. We want to make sure that they're connected to us and we to them. We don't want rogue people speaking over things in this house. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to that which is good. And like I said, I like to say I eat the meat and spit out the bones. I don't want to eat bones, they hurt the inside of my mouth, the meat is good, so I'm going to keep that. Verse 20 in that, those verses says, Do not despise prophecy. Well, what's the point of that? Do we, we don't want to hate it, we don't want to stop it. Um, so let me tell you a little story. So years ago, here at Grace and Peace, there was a different protocol. There was no microphone to give a prophetic word. Uh, the, the, on a Sunday morning, it was crowded. You couldn't, you know, see everybody, especially somebody who's five foot two around all tall people, especially if I was standing in the back somewhere. And around the congregation, in, in a lull in the worship, people would just shout out a prophetic word. So this, this place is pretty big, with a lot of people in here and some music playing. You had to speak quite loudly in order to be heard. The music would come down really low, really soft, sometimes it would stop. But people around the congregation, wherever they were, wherever you were, you spoke out your, your prophetic word. And that worked for a while until a lot of people started trying to prophesy. Then you get one person over here by Mary Ellen, some per, somebody over there, and they don't hear each other, and they're going at the same time. So sometimes we would have a pastor would say, okay, wait a second, and stop us. There are other times where um, Pastor Walt, God bless him, he would stop somebody mid-sentence say, no, brother, I'm sorry, we're not going to listen to the rest of that this morning. And he would, he would cause the worship team to, to start playing again, because maybe it was a little off, or maybe there were too many people that spoke that morning. Whatever the reasoning was, it was a different protocol. But if that happened, everybody knew around you who you were that were, was speaking, and you got shot down, it's a little embarrassing, a little bit different. Okay, so that's, that's one thing I wanted to tell you. The other thing is, as I was growing in my gift, there were people in the congregation who were f further ahead in their gift than me. I didn't know what to do with the gift when I came here to Grace and Peace. I used to draw pictures for Pastor, Pastor Walt and put them in the, the offering basket. And then he would send me a note <laughs> or talk to me after a service. But I didn't know what to do draw the picture, write the words on the back, and then he would let me know, yeah, you can, you can say that if, you know, if there's time, you can say that. And then I, I met other people in the congregation who were prophetically gifted, and sometimes I would go to them hoping that there would be some mentoring going on, and I would share something that I saw or that I thought I heard, and I'd get, I'd get shot down. Like the person didn't have any time for me because I didn't know what I was talking about or whatever it was. That does more harm 
than actually the embarrassment that happens in the congregation at that time. Now, we're trying to cultivate not only a culture of honor, but a prophetic culture where people can move in their giftings, whether it be prophecy or healing and miracles or discernment, whatever it is, that everybody can move in those giftings. So we're trying to cultivate that. We're trying to teach. We're trying to nurture. We're trying to mentor. And hopefully people will grow. And in the future, more of that will happen. So we're not supposed to despise prophecies. And I, you know, I'm telling you all that because there were times where um, I would hear somebody start to prophesy and I knew it was like, oh, that, that's, oh, I can't listen to that. That's just, just sounds horrible. Or you feel like it deflates the whole service. And you can put a wall up and say, I'm not listening to any of that. Or, well, that person doesn't know what they're saying and they don't know what they're doing, so I'm not going to listen to them. That's despising prophecy. It might not even be a word from God, but it's just the principle of a prophetic word is being given and you're despising that which someone believes that God is moving on them. If it's unbiblical, then a stop will be put to it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an encouraging word that maybe didn't fit so greatly. It wasn't exciting. And we don't want to hear it because of who's saying it or how it's being said. That's despising. And we don't want to be there because God can use someone we wouldn't even think about prophesying a prophetic word and revival breaks out. We don't want to be there and despise that and that not happen and we miss it. We want to make sure that we're nurturing and cultivating and training so that people do move in their gifting and do move and be led by the Spirit. And again, when, if something is unscriptural or if it's going to be harmful for the congregation, the pastors will address that. I've spoken to pastors, our pastors, knowing that if something is anti-God, it's not going to be said. It's not coming through me if it's anti-God. But if it's off to the point where maybe I didn't catch it and one of the other pastors hears it, we'll speak to that person afterward. Again, we don't want to squash. We don't want to um, despise. We want to build up and we want to train. On that note, there is um, outside the city walls. We're going to take a little rabbit trail real quick. Outside the city walls of Jerusalem, they had, um, or in, I should say, part of the gates of Jerusalem, they had what was called a refuse gate or a dung gate. And for obvious reasons, it was where they put all their wastes. They put it out that gate. That's where we need to go if we hear something that we don't think is from God, whether it's a personal prophecy or it's something in the congregation, and we're just going to say, nope, I'm not listening to that. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to let it land here on me. That's it. And just let it go. So we need that refuse gate. Um, one teacher that I listened to said they, they flush it, so it goes down the toilet. Um, hopefully we never get there. 
on a Sunday morning. But we're going to look at a couple things real quick that you can ask yourself when you hear a word. Where are my questions? There we go. One of the first things is check the fruit. How does it make you feel when you hear the word? Does it leave you feeling uneasy or confused? We need to remember Jesus' yoke is not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing. It's useful and it's good. What do we got? Romans 14? Was that what that was? Romans, it was Matthew. Matthew 11. Yep. My yoke is easy. Romans 14, 7 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating, drinking, but righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can actually use that verse to judge the word. Is it righteous? Does it bring peace? And is it joyful? It has to do with edification, exhortation, and encouragement. So when we say, is it righteous? Does it line up with the word of God? Does it bring peace? Because the Holy Spirit can correct you and, um, or, you know, even me. The Holy Spirit can correct me, can, can actually, um, I, you know, I, I'll say, sometimes I feel like I get hit by, the, you know, by a two-by-four by the Holy Spirit because he wants me to really pay attention, and I'm not. I'm being dull about something. But that in and of itself ends up being good. It's not harsh and it's not hurtful. Holy Spirit can do that where he corrects us and he lines us up the way we're supposed to go without making us feel condemned. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. So we know that anything that lives up to that fruit is good for us. Second thing you can ask yourself, does it edify? Does it bring any kind of building up? Does it make me feel negative or disturbed or confused? That's not that edifying feeling. Does it agree with Scripture? Because all Scripture is inspired by God. Is the word scriptural? Can we line it up? with the scripture. Doesn't mean, is it, is it all scripture that's being said, but does it have the uh, spirit of scripture? Does it have the basis of scripture? Four, does it glorify Jesus and bring me closer to him? That's key. If a word that's spoken to you personally or in the congregation doesn't glorify Jesus or it doesn't draw you closer to him, you need to question where it's from. Number five, did it come true? That's an Old Testament mandate. In Deuteronomy 18, 20 and 22, it talks about the person who gives a prophetic word and they waited to see if it came true. If it didn't come true, you know what they did? They stoned him. That was it. If it didn't come true, he was done. Okay? We're not there. Thank God. We're in the New Testament in that age of grace. But we do need to make sure that when a future word is given, 
We need to look for that to happen, especially if it's from a person who is a known prophet. Because if it doesn't, then we might want to question, was it from the person themselves or did it really come from God? When somebody's giving a prophetic word, or I should say when they're beginning to, it's not easy for them to discern the voice of Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get our own spirit mingled in with Holy Spirit's voice. And we can get to the point where we're hearing a little bit of Holy Spirit and then adding on stuff from our own spirit. Okay, so Romans 12, 6 says, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether there's prophecy, prophesy according to the proportion and your measure of faith. Some of us, some people seem like they have a lot of faith and they can prophesy very well, but they can also get enamored by what they're saying and then start maybe trying to explain the word. That's not a prophetic word. That's maybe application, maybe teaching, but it needs to really stop at the end of the prophetic word because they get lost in what they're saying and, re- and not everybody realizes some of what they're saying is from their spirit. It's not coming from, the, from God himself. Amen. They keep going or add to it, not, to, not intentionally to hurt anybody, but it happens. They go beyond what Holy Spirit gave them. And one of the best instances I heard was um, a preacher who was preaching about, talking about prophecy. He said they were having a conference and a woman came up on the platform and they were actually learning how to prophesy. There was a school of prophets. And he asked several people to give her a prophetic word. So somebody way in the back stood up and said, you have on a yellow shirt. And she did. She had a yellow shirt on. And the the yellow is like the yellow of the sun, and it's bright, and the sun is shining on you, and you have favor. And he went on for a couple of minutes. When he said to the woman, you have on a yellow shirt, she fell to the floor sobbing. Because that morning she had asked the Lord, Lord, would you heal my son of autism? And if you're going to heal him, have somebody tell me I'm wearing a yellow shirt. But that was the prophetic word. You have on a yellow shirt. That was it. That's all she needed to hear. But the person thinking that, oh, it can't just be that. God wouldn't just say that to her because she's obviously wearing a yellow shirt. He went on. Not to hurt, not in in malice, but because in our minds sometimes, logically, things don't make sense. So we got to make sure that we're not getting out of the leading of the Spirit, and we need to judge the word that comes, what part of that was from God, what part of that was Holy Spirit. Does the word encourage obedience to God? That's a huge one. We can have a very subtle deception or deceiving thing come through that can kind of turn us away from the path that God has for us. We are um, making sure that the word brings a sense of freedom, peace, and confidence in God, not in the person, not in the word itself, but in God. We don't want to have those who are giving prophetic words here that want the following of 
I give prophetic words, come to me. No, every prophetic word and every person who gives a prophetic word should be pointing to Jesus. That's it. That's our goal, Jesus himself, and to direct people to him with those prophetic words. Does the word bring life? Is it life-giving? That one's easy to, to, to even just hear when you hear it. Yes, it gives life. True prophecy will always bring life. Even, like I said, even if it's correction. And lastly, what I kind of said before, does it bear witness with you? Especially if it's, a, if it's a personal prophetic word, do you have a witness? Is it something God's already spoken to you? And if he hasn't spoken to you, it, to you about it already, do you just feel like, hmm, yeah, that sits right? Because you can get a prophetic word from somebody or hear it here and God not have spoken to you about something and you get a prophetic word and you're like, wow, that doesn't sound like anything I've thought about, but okay, I'm okay with it. If that doesn't happen, that's, that's a witness right there. You're thinking, mm, I never thought about that. I haven't prayed about anything like that. But somebody just spoke that into my life. Maybe that's something God's going to create in my life later on. Okay, we look back at Saul in the Old Testament. He was called to be king. And it said somewhere in there that he didn't even have it, or Samuel was going to tell Saul everything that was in his heart. Saul didn't know anything about wanting to be king. He said, who am I? I'm of the smallest tribe of the smallest family. He had no inkling. Although it was in his heart, he didn't even know it. So it was something God put there for a reason. So we are looking at judging prophecy. I'm hoping that some of the questions that I've given you will help you on a Sunday morning or if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have, a I have a word for you, that you can think about some of those questions and apply them to what's being said. Because that, as we do that together, that will help the whole congregation grow in the prophetic, grow in our discernment, and move forward in what God has for us. Prophecy is really important. Hundreds of prophecies were spoken about Jesus before he came. We knew that he was coming. The Jews knew he was coming. Had they only listened, had they only believed that who they saw in front of them was actually who he said he was. Very important. And prophecy can help us and guide us in life. God will use other people to speak into our lives, speak his word into our lives, what he wants for us because he knows us. So as we grow closer to him, as we become more intimate with him, and we grow in that discernment, we can grow not only in the, in the gift of prophecy, but we can also grow in judging those words. And we can be those who are led by the Spirit in all we do. So hopefully that was helpful for all of you. Um, if you have any questions, I'm always available. Thank you for your time, and just let me pray real quick for you. Father God, I just ask Holy Spirit to come, and as we go from this place, that you would give us that increased discernment, that you would give us that increased knowing inside, that you would help us to know 
the difference between our spirit and your spirit, and especially the enemy's spirit, that we would not be those who are deceived, but that we would follow hard after you, knowing that you are truth and you are life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.